0: This is the Bigger Pockets podcast show, six eighty six.
1: I'm a competitor, and I compete at basketball like a high level. But like, um, I'm good on a journey and minding my own business. You understand? Uh, I think one thing that occurs as you get older, even like doing contract negotiations, the humility in that is making sure you don't miss out on your money or your or the right deal or situation. Worrying about what the person left or right has. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a marriage. It doesn't that that relationship has nothing to do with anybody besides those two people.
0: What's up everyone? This is David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, the best, the biggest, the baddest real estate podcast in the world here today with an amazing episode for you. Today, my co-host Rob Abasolo and I are interviewing our friend Evan Turner. Evan had a very impressive NBA career, and while he was in the NBA doing his thing, he was also buying real estate. He's now a businessman, an entrepreneur, and a real estate investor, and has been making bigger and bigger moves since he first got started, and he comes on the show to share with us. His process, his journey, what he's buying, how he's buying it, and how he looks at the world. And you're going to love what you hear. Rob, what were some of your favorite parts of today's show?
2: Oh, man, this is a a favey fave, as I call it. It's one of my favorite episodes, man. We were just really having a lot of fun. And uh, for those of you, if you stick around to the very end, you're going to see me drop some pretty... I, I don't mean to be so intense about it, but some pretty intense... Basketball analogies there at the end. So I I would definitely
0: stick around to the end. You cannot miss this. Everybody, you have to listen (laughs) to this show. Rob and his basketball, uh, I don't know if analogies is the best word, references are worthy of being made into a t-shirt. You definitely need to say these words to Rob when you see him (laughs) in real life. It was so bad. It was good in a way that only Rob Abasolo can do before we bring in evan by the way guys this episode's a little bit longer so we're going to make a shorter intro for you because we took advantage of as much as we could to get as much out of evan's brain as possible which is why it's such a good show
2: what's better than low money down no money down now through rent to retirement you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down wait hold on this can't be right I need to double check with zach rental retirement ceo oh hey rob Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down?
0: It's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return.
2: Oh, on, wait, wait, let me get on this before we tell it to the whole bigger pockets audience.
0: Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's rent t o retirement.com or text REI to
2: Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com/vp. connectinvest.com/vp PropStream also provides lead automation, skip tracing, and a marketing suite with emails, postcards, and custom landing pages to close more deals efficiently. Get started today with their seven-day free trial and get fifty leads for free. Head on over to www.propstream.com/bp. That's www.propstream.com/bp.
0: Before we bring in Evan, today's quick tip is consider looking into opportunity zones as a way to save in taxes and still help the community. This is a wonderful marriage of Uh, social improvements along with smart business moves. And it's one of the best moves that I think the government has made in a sense where you can get massive tax savings by investing in opportunity zones that also help the community where those properties are. And another part of Evan's success was his understanding that you win better as a team. So look for ways to surround yourself with like-minded people on the same journey as you, with the same goals as you that are highly skilled in what they do and find a way for you to contribute as well. All right, enough of that. Let's bring in Evan. Evan Turner, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Great to have you here, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. Now, if anyone hasn't heard of Evan Turner, I've never actually said this, so this will be the first time Evan's hearing it. He was one of the people that I actually followed your NBA career. Evan, when you first came out of college, I love the way you played. A lot of people, they hear me talk about jujitsu, but basketball was my first love. And uh, like, I don't know, you were just the person who got it. You understood the game at a pretty high level. I really liked watching you play. We've talked about the stuff that we like and the things people don't like. I was a San Antonio Spurs fan. I hated when people were like, oh, they're boring. It's like, no, they they just play basketball the right way. They're good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they don't dunk all the time. They're boring. So uh, you were like that San Antonio Spurs style of like you understood the game as a whole. So I've been following you for a while. I had no idea that you were actually a real estate investor. It's very cool to get to know you here. And now you actually have your own podcast, so you can tell us a little bit about that and what the kind of stuff you guys talk about.
1: Yes, yes. Thanks for having me. For one, I'm a big fan of you yeah. know your platform and everything you're doing is is definitely dope. And um, this is cool. I've I've been telling all my friends I was going to be on this podcast, so everybody's been like, "For real?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm really going to be on there." So
0: yeah, Rob dressed up just because he knew that you were <laughs>
1: really. Yeah, I heard he that's he added pocket to his black t shirt. he used with, right. So
2: I, I keep all my snacks in here. Hey, that's all that matters. <laughs> you hear me crunching? Hey, don't worry. Just a few pretzels hanging out.
1: <laughs> I appreciate that. But, uh, like you were saying before, David, I was, uh, you know, I, I just re- retired recently uh, in 2020 from a 10 year NBA career. And right now myself and Andre Iguodala, we start a podcast. We just start our second season. It's called the point forward podcast. Much like David was saying, it's a play on words from a, a certain type of position in basketball, which myself and Iguodala were, were a uh, point forwards and, um, Obviously, we, we talk a little b- bit about basketball, but it's not fully a basketball podcast. We go over, you know, um, business elements of the podcast. We go over uh, current events, and we like to have an overall good time just like this show. So podcast is, a, you know, the basketball part is the second element, but we're really trying to, you know, give free game and have, you know, the real conversations that most people won't have in their position.
2: Yeah, man. So I'm curious. You obviously had – you were in the NBA here for about uh... – for about a good decade. So how did your day-to-day look? did Your entire career, did it change or was it always a pretty regimented day-to-day for you?
1: It's always a pretty regimented day-to-day. I think you guys know as well as anything when you're focused and locked in and you're passionate about something. I feel like I've been, it had been basketball 15, 16 hours a day since I was probably 12 years old. So entering the NBA, it was the first real time I had an opportunity to do it like as a career. So the first you know, you have to really, you know, wake up, and it's six days a week. You know, you usually get to a facility around 8 a.m. Practice usually starts at 11. In between there, you're getting your your preparation going. You're eating meals. You're getting stretching. You're probably doing body work. Then you're also, you know, lifting weights, and then you're going through a two, two-and-a-half-hour crazy regimen practice. And, uh, you know, you probably leave the facility each day by 2.30 or 3 p.m if you're lucky, after, you know, healing and uh, icing and taking care of your body and you go back home and do it the next day. So it's usually off and on, you know, even if you're not including game days, a 10-hour thing sometimes.
0: You know, with that downtime, I gotta imagine a guy like you who's a very cerebral player, <clears throat> actually a very cultured man as well. We talked for about fifteen minutes before we started recording and man, you were all over the place. I was pretty cool to see. What was your thought process like? What emotions were you going through when you were in the middle of the career and you realized that real estate was a, a road that you wanted to explore?
1: I think it was just a door I was thankful that uh, you know, I could knock on because at the end of the day when you you know, you make it to the NBA and you're living such a fast life with, you know, the opportunities that you have, you have access to a lot of money, you have access to the best of best things. And, you know, like everything else you have to govern yourself in order to explore it and also in order to learn. And I think that was one thing I was able to do where real estate somewhat gave me the flexibility. You know, I knew, um, if I bought a piece of property, wasn't going to pick up and leave on me. And, uh, you know, when I first started out at, which was Columbus, Ohio, I was able to, you know, have a familiarity with the people and the environment in order for me to invest and be able to leave and have a time demanding job like the NBA.
2: Was there a little bit of a, a real estate bug at any point during the your career? Or was it really something that at the very end, you decided to go into it? Was it, Did you see other friends investing in real estate? What, what was really that catalyst for you?
1: To be honest with you, like, I don't know what you all's background, but when, where I came from, like the typical stuff, I was an inner city kid, single parent, you know, home and everything. So to comprehend money, I wasn't too familiar with that. And to go into the NBA and, you know, have a large lump sum of money and, you know, you hear all these crazy stories around that time we are just coming out of one of the biggest financial crisis and everything. So when my finance company is trying to suggest, in, you know, um, investing in stocks, I never, you know, really believe in that. You know, I was more so, humbly speaking, just being like, no, show me what I own, more so than tell me about what's going to happen and, you know, hit me with the Wop do. And I think to say that story was just an understatement because uh, I wanted to make sure my money worked for me. And like David, like what you said, money's energy. So I wanted to make sure I had money going somewhere in an asset with the, you know, finances that I had much more than just, sitting on it and and not making it work for me. And I was always fortunate enough to have family and mentors like my mom to tell me that, you know, basketball isn't always going to be there. And I got to make sure that, you know, my plan B is, you know, being worked on as, you know, before I need it.
2: Totally. So going from, you know, not having a lot of money to getting that large lump sum payment. (laughs) I got to imagine that's pretty weird. Um, I've kind of gone through this in my... Real estate entrepreneurial career a couple of times, and it's really hard to comprehend I mean yeah, it's real were there mo- yeah w- did you ever like look look at your accounts and everything and just not really believe it? like what was that whole thought process?
1: Now to be honest, which I don't know how you feel when you look at some of your stuff, but you know I'm so grateful that sometimes when I look at my accounts and stuff like you know it's not like it brings a tear up like to my eyes or anything, but I'm just like, I'm just grateful like this is really mine, you know what I mean? Like, this is what, you know, hard work really brings. And um, I guess, you know, as you guys comprehend, it takes years and years and years to see the fruits of your labor. So, you know, I'm just appreciative to really to have stuck with a dream, a passion and all the sacrifices I made to see it come back in that type of form is is a blessing and uh it's something I never take for granted because you know in in this situation is a reason why they call it the 1% not many people are able to experience that so it almost feels uh you have survivor's remorse but at the same time you know when you're back when you're when you're on your hustle you know you can, you, you you're appreciative towards it and you deserve it
2: 100% yeah I I, I still, I really do struggle with this a lot because I just, it it is not, I'm not going to say I came from nothing. That's definitely not true. My parents were immigrants from Mexico and they did have a, a tough, uh, it was, you know, it was money was tight growing up. Right. yeah And so it, it's been very hard to break out of this because I, I have this big fear of, of losing it all because I'm just like, Oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to go back, but um, I don't know. What was your first big mindset shift going in, in, into kind of this new phase of life where you know money was plentiful? Were you using that as an opportunity to kind of uh, learn? Were you going back to your family with that? Like, what were some of those big changes for you?
1: I think the biggest changes for me, um, obviously the first thing you do is go take care of your mom. You know what I mean? And I wanted to, you know, take care of my mom, get her a house and everything. But I think the biggest change for me was trying to fully comprehend. What money was—that's an understatement. Like it was—is was a huge, a huge, huge lump sum of money. I wanted to make sure uh, I came in with the right opportunity and plan to, you know, have it work the right way for me. I was more so scared of losing it more than anything, and that was a big fear to me, almost so much to the first point. Like my first three or four years, I barely spent money on anything. You know, like I, like I, I think I had, you know, I was fortunate enough to have reached a certain financial mark by the age of 24, that would have took care of me for, you know, the rest of my life in that certain realm. So I was kind of like still, you know, touching the water, seeing how hot it was. But, you know, during that time, I wasn't hesitant in, uh, you know, to dive into real estate and to invest in that because I, I knew for sure I wanted an asset along with, you know, keeping
0: the money with me. Okay, that is very insightful because yeah, it's odd that you hear a person who, I mean, you hear about lottery winners. The majority of them don't keep their wealth. Hardly any of them do. In fact, their life tends to go to crap when they get that money. It isn't. It's like the analogy that I use is it's like you you never worked out and you held this barbell above your chest for bench press and someone throws four plates on each side when you get that. It's (laughs) like you had no foundation to handle that and the money crushes you. So. I'm sure a lot of the people that were making money through being a professional athlete that you're around, it was a scenario for them. They never had it. They got a bunch of it all at once. They weren't trained for how to handle the weight of that. They lose it. You were in almost the opposite scenario. You're saying, I was afraid of losing that money, and I had to overcome the fear of losing what I had gained as opposed to... Uh, the discipline of saving it. What do you think led up to the moment when you received the money and you wanted to keep it? That was different in you than in some of the people that were around you.
1: I just think the upbringing. I'm not trying to make my situation seem like oh I came from this, or try to write like a documentary on myself. But I think you know a lot of times it's as simple as fact is as this: if if money doesn't mean something to you, you weren't broke enough. You know what I mean? And and that's just true. And it's a god honest truth. So like when you break it down, I'm a I believe in Darwinism, survival of the fittest. You understand, and there's a game we play of life, and there's certain things that you really have to, you know, take in, into consideration in order to win. And, um, you know, it's all the stuff they taught you as a kid. Make your next move your best move. And I think the environment I hung around as well. I, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have the right type of people around me. I came into a locker room as a rookie. Where I had Elton Brand, who was huge in, you know, investing in real estate, investing in movies. I had Andre Iguodala, who's, you know speaks for himself he's a tech entrepreneur and he's very you know business savvy I was fortunate enough to be around the right people and with my notoriety the right type of people came into my uh, circle that can give me even if it was bad finance advice it was more than I ever heard growing up you know what I mean and I think that type of environment really was able to mold me right because I was able to stay in the right rooms and somewhat hear some of the, you know get the leftovers of of of, of game
2: It's really cool, man. So would you say uh, was one of your first pieces of real estate that you bought, the the house for your mom?
1: First uh, real piece of real estate I bought, honestly. So the first one I bought, we are renting a spot for her and I bought a five unit in Columbus, Ohio while her spot was being built so we could say 50 50 whatever got closer but yeah i was i was able to buy a, a you know a five thousand square foot crib in a up-and-coming uh, community outside of columbus um, that was able to make a pretty penny when we sold it you know we bought it and i think the land in like 2010 and uh the house was done at 344 we were able to sell it for like 655 as of like a year
0: ago So that I think is one of the huge, huge, huge foundational pieces for someone that becomes a real estate investor. It's so important that you have a good experience on your first deal. Like we all have this amazing amount of fear and people don't realize that I'm sure the three or the two of you would agree. The three of us, even today, when I buy a house, I still have fear. There's always that. What if that hangs over your head? And it's amplified in the beginning when you get that first one. And if you have a bad experience, you're like, I'm never doing it again. You have a good experience. It really helps to overcome that fear. So what I love that you're describing is it was a primary residence. That's what you're saying. That was the first house you bought was a place for your mom, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Yeah, that is why we talk about house hacking so often. Because it gives it gives you an experience to get your toe dipped in without getting your foot bit off yeah. by the shark or without yeah, drowning. Absolutely. Was that a, was that how your experience was?
1: Yeah, basically we were able to you know buy into an area early, build a house up, and there was no real pressure. That was just an asset. You know what I mean? It was a, a very good asset in my opinion at that time. That you know when we sat on it, we were able to live and make memories. And it's time to move on. I was grateful. We bought it because, like I said prior to, we were able to double our investment on it, and we, you know, it taught me a lot as an investor and in buying into something, and seeing how it builds. And like you said prior to, money's energy. I put however much money into that house, and without looking and just living and enjoying myself in it, we were able to make double off of what we what we put in. So that was that was a blessing. So that that was that's one thing I always take with me when it comes to. Uh, Continue to try to build and keep my patience.
2: Sure, sure. So you 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 build a, a five unit or you buy a five unit, you sell it, you make a really good profit, right? And then what happens after that? So
1: after that, um, I went right into uh, I went on a campus and I bought two two six bedrooms on campus uh, where students could uh, rent rent properties from, and I own that. Obviously, um, with real estate, I was able to get that on campus. I put it in an LLC. And, uh, you know, one good thing about that is, you know, we're able to do from August to August type situation. Um, you can, you can guarantee that most of the students, especially back then student loans, all that money, all that rent is going to be guaranteed each month. So I was able to, you know, take advantage of an open real estate market in Columbus and, uh, finesse from there. And, um, with that, which I was fortunate enough to occur is, uh, with those same builders, I took that money and, uh, the profits from that money and I invested into a new apartment condominium that was built in 2014. It was called 600 Goodell. Um, I think uh, when I, I invested a couple hundred thousand with an 8% rate of return. And um, within the first two years, I was able to get all my money back, which, which was big time. And then from there, once they sold it, um, you know, fortunately enough, it's been an annual return of 36% since then, you know?
2: Dang, that's cool.
1: Yeah, so so that was a good, shout out to a the good
0: experience there too.
1: Yeah, man, it's good experience mixed with a lot of good luck. Like I said, coming to Columbus, Ohio, you guys are all familiar. I live a couple blocks away from campus, but you know, being out here, um, you have a lot of uh, real estate developers such as the Kaufman's, the Shattistine families, the Schiff families. The the dashes, the diamonds where I was fortunate enough with basketball to do well here. That it open doors and open opportunities to invest in some really good prop, uh, really good opportunities where Columbus is being built, was being built up as I was, you know, making my wealth, you know?
2: Sure. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's really all that much luck. You're obviously, you made it into the NBA and had a successful career because <laughs> yeah. you had hard work. Yeah. You know, luck is, is a component that comes into play when you're really good at something. So you're obviously crushing it in the, in the real estate game at this point. You get, You get the house, you make a sale, you get a couple of six bedrooms, and then you invest in this apartment condominium. At what point do you feel like you told yourself, like, I'm pretty good at this? I,
1: I, I kinda keep a humble in that sense because one thing I thought, you know, respectfully, if you ask me what I'm an expert at, I'm a I was an expert is proven at basketball. You understand what I'm saying? So like I thought like at one point, I think after the first couple, you know, talking with, you know, some of my mentors, some of my advisors, I was like, Man, this is turning out pretty good enough to the point where I'm take- I'm passing up on trying to buy certain cars and being like, yo, I'm gonna get this car after I flipped this to take that, you know, you know, almost to the point where I would leave in the fall, leave my leave my city in the fall, go work where I had to work yet, and come back in the spring and feel as though I was going to come back and reap the rewards of a pretty good investment. So I don't know if that was a sure thing, much, you you know, but I I thought like it was going to work for me, and luckily it has.
0: Well, something that I learned in basketball, I think a lot of people who play that sport or other team sports learn, is that your individual uh skills of whatever type you have manifest very differently within a different group. So you could take a certain player and put them on a team and they are lackluster and then they get on another team and like, boom. Absolutely. Amazing. Right. Absolutely. And I think we that doesn't get talked about very often because you can typically, <clears throat> most of the conversation, let's use the basketball example here, would be about how you improve your own skills, ball handling, defense, shooting the ball, uh, strength, speed, jumping. But the really smart players are the ones who say, now I know I would be good in this environment. And they actually make that a part of their career is they're, they're willing to take a little bit less money to extend, to play longer on the right team, right? That works in business too. You can have an incredibly skilled person who can analyze properties, great network, really good. They have you know some version of skill within real estate investing, but they never get around the right team. They don't have the right advisors. They don't have the right environment. There's no deals where they're looking. They don't have a bookkeeper, an accountant, a construction. Con- I mean, sometimes just having a contractor that's solid can make a deal work for you that would not have worked if you didn't have that one piece. You've mentioned you were l- blessed enough to be surrounded by some mentors and some guidance and the right piece. What role did that team that you found yourself around play in helping you be successful in this endeavor?
1: I think everything. I think they helped a lot due to the simple fact of uh, their willingness. You understand what I'm saying? It's one thing for people to work with you. It's another thing for people to help you. And I think along those lines, uh, you know, in regards to, you know, us doing good business together, each time we were able to make a flip or do something or, you know, when I would come up to somebody and be like, hey, I'm looking, you know, for some deals. I'm looking to invest. I was always fortunate enough to be turned in the right direction. And also, I think in regards to like just the behind the scenes things in regards to funding and, you know, you might get into a deal with a guy where, the developers are are guaranteeing all the risk you know what I'm saying and 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 we're able to you know just invest freely i, I thought like the support and the timing of the people in uh you know the city of Columbus helped the most with me my, I think my finance advisors finding the right type of loans, making sure you know from day one my business and my finances were in order to make sure I had ways to free up lines of credit, making me comprehend how important the lines of credit are is in order to get things done because you know, right now I'm playing in a situation where my interest rate is still at four, when everybody's still at ten. You understand what I'm saying? So like those type of moments where I'm able to foresee be able to have a team that can foresee a forecast and, you know, have me steer towards less turbulent air is is everything because uh I haven't really felt the bump in the road yet. I've been able to, you know, keep uh, you know, Adding more and more points to uh, you know to to my portfolio.
2: Yeah, that and that makes sense to to have those mentors and the people that you're. Working with the people that are helping you, I got to imagine, too, that you, you probably had some buds in, in the same, you know, also coming out of the league and everything like that that were also doing real estate. Were you sort of surrounding yourself with more people that, that were like-minded at that point, or were you keeping your network the same, you know, for the first couple of years?
1: I've always been told, like, even uh, my mentor, uh, you know, my OAU coach, you know, Coach Mullins, he used to always just tell me, like, even when I was in college and stuff, just like, what book are you reading? Like, make sure you read something. Or like, if you heard I went to a rap concert whatever, say, so all right, bro, stop going to rap concerts, go up the street, go see Hamilton, or go, you know what I mean? Like, I always- good Choice, been, good choice. Yeah, but I've always been encouraged to go outside of my element and go learn more. And um, I, I, I'm a stubborn individual, and some people say I might not listen a lot, but in certain areas, I make sure, for whatever reason, I listen at the right time. And that was one thing I always knew that was important to my development, because- uh, you know, crossing into an unreal world in the NBA, I was more so wary of uh, making sure I didn't lose myself or my footing. And, uh, you know, to really keep in touch with the people and the elements around me, whether it became real estate or it became, you know, some other hobby was part of my everyday regimen. And I think that's where it helped benefit me in the right rooms
0: of meeting people who, you know, wanted to buy real estate. I think it's very easy for anyone in any capacity to just zoom in on their own thing and not take that perspective, like you said, getting exposed to more stuff. So I see this with investors where they're very comfortable analyzing a property. They're the people that like to use a spreadsheet. They like to run numbers and they just do that over and over and over. And they never s- zoom out and take a look at, Am I is the market I'm analyzing a good market to be in at all? Or what does the appraiser do? How do they come up with the numbers that they're looking at? Like the more you learn about the different people's jobs that are in whatever you're doing, the better your chance of being successful in that. And I think you sort of stumbled into that without realizing that was necessarily happening by just exposing yourself to more than the little stuff that was around you, right?
1: Absolutely, and I think one thing that occurs as well is you know with anything is humility. You know, sometimes when I get too cocky on a basketball court, the basketball guys are going to teach me my lesson. You know what I mean? So, like, even coming around into this business world, I think I was able to, you know, keep my ears open because I was humble because I comprehended who the experts were. The same way I got off my butt, rearranged everything when I found out about the Bigger Pockets conference. Because at the end of the day, it's like I need to go around and be around like minded people and go talk to the people that have been doing this at a high, high level. And they can show me, you know, different ways of thinking and and maneuvering. It's never changed. It's just me wanting to learn. And, and, you know, when my direction is going that way, I'm going to, you know, knock on those doors and try to, you know, walk
0: through them. Have you seen a pattern of others around you that want to get a piece of what you're doing, whether it's business, entrepreneurship, tech, real estate, and you've noticed like the, the thing that stops them from bidding through the doorway of where you're at is a lack of humility.
1: I think it's a mix of lack of humility, which kind of turns into, uh, you know, a lack of humility always turns into uh, 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 ignorance because, uh, you know, you mix humility in with learning. And when you learn, that's where innovation comes from. And I think a lot of guys, they'll stop at the, at the door when they see how hard it takes or how many loops they have to jump. Or sometimes the number one thing, as you guys may know, everything ruins when the percentages come in. Mm-hmm. And we're fighting over money that doesn't even exist yet. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times those dudes are so wary of, 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 of coming into those problems mixed in with, if you don't surround yourself with the right people, there's a lot of crooks in this day and age as well. So I think guys stay on the stoop more so than, than going to uh, adventure off.
0: Yeah, so you're referring to the people that are arguing over the split of an endeavor before they even understand how the money flows or yes. what they're going to be doing, right? Yeah, yeah, just that type yeah, of Which that. is really ego. That's what you're getting at, right? <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. I need to have the bigger share because of my ego, even though they don't really understand. You know, I'll give you an example that makes me think about in sports. Sometimes you see a player negotiate a ridiculously large contract for them on a team, and then the team has no money left in the salary cap to bring anybody else in, and then they lose.
1: Yeah, and and, and then they're talking. About, I'm trying to win. I'm trying to yes. win. And say, like, bro, with all due respect, all the greats gave up money. If you want that 20 point score, 55. You know what I mean? Like 35 million and 40 million. It's a difference, but it ain't much of a difference. You're gonna get it in. You know what I mean? You're gonna get it back some way.
0: In other ways, that's exactly right. One of the things we've been talking about within the, the businesses I run is stop talking with words telling me what you want. So you'd hear these people say, I'm doing everything I can to bring a championship to the city. That's what your words say, but your actions say, I'm getting every dollar I can for myself and now they got to go bring in a you know 38-year-old veteran or draft a rookie who can't play yet to fit within the salary cap. Your actions are telling me, no, you're actually just trying to get paid and the championship would come second. Now, we're not trying to win championships in real estate, right? But there is something to be said about what your actions are saying to the world and to other people versus your words.
1: No, you're absolutely right. That's the understanding. You hit the nail on the head because when you break it down and you're working with certain teams, it's like, yo, this is about the development. This is about the bigger picture. And um, sometimes you look at guys, you would think uh, they got like a reality TV show following around. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, I think one thing that humility is I, I'm willing to work as a team with this real estate group. I'm I'm willing to, you know, make sure I want to make sure I'm investing the best things and whatever can happen best for the group it's great for us. because like Warren Buffett said, you don't want to lose a dime, you know? So, you know, if it comes down to like the Fishers, like the urgent care um, campus I own, I just sold recently in 2021, I partnered 50-50 with someone out there. You know what I mean? We took uh, responsibility, took the accountability, but I partnered 50-50 with someone out there and was it 2019 2020 hits pandemic occurs and we're booming and you know all that type of stuff and um you know just recently i was able to sell that at a 50 50 split and got you know a uh, uh, a sizable profit from there just off being able to partner up and not trying to control the situation and you know f- financing what is a right and good idea and good play you know
2: yeah yeah. Well, that's awesome. So obviously you were sort of crushing it there at the very beginning and, uh, you, you kind of were diversifying there with all the different types of units. Now that you've spent some time in real estate, can you help us understand what your goals are and how you set those goals for yourself?
1: be honest with you, next thing I invested in, uh, is, uh, block housing. So, um, it's basically in Columbus, we got funding from the city or whatever, but, um, it's just more housing. You know, everybody's screaming out that we don't have enough rental housing and re- rental property. But I want to make sure we're able to uh, develop something where it's providing, providing more homes for uh, people that kind of grew up in my situation. You know what I mean? Um, I definitely have uh, opportunities of... Uh, I definitely have ambitions of making sure I do like the luxury real estate and, uh, you know, the vacation real estate. But I definitely want to go back to my old, you know, old neighborhoods and stopping grounds of that that matter and, you know, building, you know, buying portfolios and foreclosed homes and, you know, kind of rebuilding a block. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Is that is that something that's important to you just because of the, your upbringing and everything like that? Yeah, I think it's very important because at
1: the end of the day, it's like, how hard is it to put something decent for the youth to grow up in? Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, I used to hoop like hoop in the alley. It takes nothing to pave a spot. Go put a basketball court over there or go put, you know what I mean? Go put something that is really going to help the families, but then also help the future, whether it be an area with, you know, a decent swimming pool, an area with a decent computer lab, or, you know what I mean? I want to make sure in those city areas, much like, I don't know where you all are from, but in the city areas, and those isolated, dead areas, sometimes we our resources is like we get cut off from the rest of the world. So we don't get, like, the Whole Foods. We get the Dollar Generals or Save-A-Lots. We don't get the hot, you know what I mean? We don't get, like, the, the orange, like, the sun kiss. We get, like, the orange pop. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the knockoff Dr. stuff. Dr. S. Yeah, yeah, and I kind of want to make sure we, you know, we make the... You know, the neighborhood you know a positive the hood you know bring back positivity towards the hood because you know it starts with yourself once you start appreciating your environment and what you have, you know that's gonna you know breed confidence and everything else, so that's one thing I really want to do that's a big picture, and then other than that, I would love to uh own you know vacation real estate all over. I would love to do that. Uh, like in Lake Como, own in Bali. Um, you know, I, I want to own in Barcelona. Like it's tons of places I've visited. I, I definitely want to tap into those markets.
2: I haven't really uh, dived into the international vacation rental market yet, but hey, ma- Barcelona sounds nice.
1: Yeah, but you're diving into something that's pretty cool, though. It's uh, uh, what was it, the hotels?
2: Yeah, yeah. We bought a, uh, yeah. a unit motel in New York
1: yeah, a yeah. month ago. Yeah, I love that idea. That's going to be unbelievable because that way you can theme everything, Right. You guys are going to kind of have theme type vibes. I think, I think, obviously, I wouldn't steal your idea. But in the grand scheme of things, curating those type of environments and everything is something I would really be interested in, for sure. I, I think those type of getaways, I've always, even if you see my, my condo, is filled with art and just a type of vibe and theme that really, you know, curates your energy and mood.
2: We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash pockets. This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind, flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com biggerpockets. netsuite.com biggerpockets. netsuite.com
0: biggerpockets. One of the things I really liked about what the government did with the tax code in the last couple of years was the creation of opportunity zones where they rewarded investors with tax benefits. If they invested into areas that they deemed as an opportunity zone, which were typically lower income struggling, they're not getting the same influx of uh, resources that the nicer areas are going to be. Right. What are your thoughts on that principle uh, as a way of building wealth, that as the inv- as the investor improves the area, they also make themselves money and you kind of have a win-win scenario?
1: Yeah, I think it's necessary because you have to entice people. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody's going over there, you know, or any smart investor is going to try to go over there and start with rebuild where there's no guarantee of anything coming to support you, you know? So I think... uh I think that's a perk you get for, you know, taking that type of chance and trying to, you know, rebuild certain parts that literally been systemically forgotten. You know what I'm saying? Uh, When we talk about those opportunity zones, we're going back to the 1940s. We're talking about the buy, you know, the racial wealth gap in America and, and, you know, everything that's happened systemically, you know, uh, the, you know. You know, the housing loans only granting, you know, 98% of the best real estate to whites. You know what I'm saying? Like that type of situation. So I think when it comes down to it, there's we hate talking about reparations, but in certain areas you have to uh, have that to support. Because especially when it comes to black athletes or black entertainers that made out that area, odds are a lot of times unless it's super beneficial or developers haven't talked about building that area up prior to or trying to gentrify it. Nothing's ever coming, and the only people helping are the people that climbed out of that barrel from the other crabs. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's for it's, sure. it's, d- it's deeper than rap. I hope I hope the city and everybody in a, in a government keeps trying to do more to help invest in those upbringings because at the end of the day, much more than real estate, we we we're only as good as our worst guy. You know that, David? We're only as good as our the last man on the bench. I'm not saying anybody in those low income areas, but at the same time, it's like yeah, it's just a tr- it's just a truth. Like, there's no such thing. I- I'm not okay if I'm making a bajillion dollars and a guy off the street is messed up. Like, that's just not ill.
2: Yeah, yeah. I-, I think opportunity zones do create that win-win for a lot of people. We actually did a, a whole episode with Malachi Sims, episode 599. If- if- for everyone at home listening, yeah, really. I would really recommend <laughs> checking checking that one out. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have all the the episodes memorized. No, I'm just kidding. I, I looked it up. But have you done much? <laughs> Investing in opportunity zones yet, or is that a big goal for you kind of moving into
1: 2023 so that's uh so recently we just um with the block housing, I just invested uh, actually from a shoe company that I signed with David coming out i I took a bunch of stock back in 2010, and that stock was at a few pennies it grew to a bunch. I was able to take money out of there. And invested strictly into the opportunity zone. Mm. So, like Did I said, you avoid
0: some of the capital gains from the the gain you had in the yes, sh- yes, yes, yes,
1: yes, yes. So, uh, like I said, that's one of the circles from having a great team that that don't let me take all. Shout out to Steve Voljevich, Advocis uh, Advocis uh, Financial. That was the team doing that. Matt Anderson. That was the team doing that and making that play. So when we were able to do that, we we're able to put it into. Uh, Opportunity Zones, the block housing, and uh, with that, you know, the city was able to, you know, to work with us as well. So we're able to be able to build some stuff coming up. We're in production right now.
0: That's what I loved about the Opportunity Zone approach is it didn't try to guilt people into investing money into something that would lose them money. And it didn't say, well, forget it. They don't, they can't pull themselves out. So let's just ignore them. There was a a way of saying, listen, rather than us taking your money and the government trying to make this better, which is gonna be 10 times more expensive than it should be and be a terrible job, let's take the people that are good at real estate investing, give them a tax break to get them to go in and do what they are good at, and then everyone wins. And like, I love, Evan, how you kind of tied it together where you, you added the team aspect we talked about earlier, right? You had people that understood the shoe business. I'm sure your contributions to that company when you bought the stock, For pennies, you realize like some of your direction, counsel, guidance, whatever resources you're bringing to that investment would make it more likely to be successful. Then it does well. You take the profit out. You reinvest it into the thing that you care about. It benefits you because you don't get hammered on taxes. So now you're not disincentivized to do another project just like it. And you get to invest in the area that matters to your heart, which gets you more motivated and amped up to do it again, as opposed to, like we said, you have that bad experience on your first deal. You don't want to do it anymore. If you have your bad experience with your first, like I'm trying to help somebody at my own expense. Now you don't want to help anymore. Yeah, like, right, right. Everything right. worked well. Now you want to play the game harder.
1: Yeah, no, and that's absolutely right. I think uh, one thing that's occurring now that I've retired is being an adult. You know, I wanna, you know, kind of take the gloves off and um I obviously have my team with me, but you know, have my hand held a little less. You know what I mean? And um in order to go from being an investor and, you know, developing smaller things to, like I said, getting getting groups and me being a forefront of the funding and, you know, developing big commercial buildings where there's a Seven Eleven at the bottom or whatever cool chain store there is and there's luxury buildings up top. You know what I'm saying? So I think that it's the next level of, you know, playing harder and kind of, you know, trying to make it to the Hall of Fame to say the least.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh well so you you we have a understanding of sort of where you were growing but can you give us a snapshot now of of the different types of bigger projects and developments that you're working on cuz i know i know you're doing a lot of development now right
1: Yeah so i'm doing a lot of development now so uh even as recently um i invested it into a a unit right off on a, it's called San Marcos Residence is in uh, Austin Texas so i invested that with Shift Capital so it's about 95% occupied it was a it was an old like I believe like hotel or something we uh, invested we refurbished it back in like 2018 it's about uh it's a college uh, apartment building probably like 150 doors 200, 200 doors so I thought that was a pretty big one I invested in um, right now um, I have a vacation property that I bought during pandemic for two I put a a little bit into it, probably three into. two. I have it on the market right now for 11. So it's a, yeah, so it's an 8,000 square foot, three house, three houses, guest house, pool, seven acres inside uh Briars Creek golf community uh, right outside Charleston, South Carolina, like three miles from Kiowa. So you see that little area, we just, um, that little area has been booming. You know, obviously everybody knows about Charleston. It's one of the most touristy, you know, tourist visited cities in America. And, um, you know, we we got with a, a group down there, I think, when I first bought the spot during the pandemic in 2020. And um, obviously, as a fixer-upper. But I was looking into, uh, you know, just using it as a vacation property, you know, for family and everything. But uh, halfway through, the market just jumped crazy. And um, we were able to you know it, it jumped crazy up and the house i was building was already pretty spectacular and i was getting like a lot of uh, compliments on it to the point where i was like if i can make this flip and uh you know sell this i would love to you know continue on take that money buy acreage and uh you know start doing a little you know 12 unit you know um development
2: man okay let i don't want to gloss over this that's a, that's a crazy crazy project so yeah I'm, try- okay. I'm trying
1: to be humble about it because like, yeah, like if you and i about of, if you and i were off the th- off this i'd be be like bro guess what i just did <laughs> like do you understand what i'm saying but like oh, i'm trying yeah, to definitely. be like i'm trying to like you know be calm and not make eye contact and you know hold my smile oh no no we're I gonna know. change that right that. now
0: you're <laughs> gonna tell <laughs> us exactly how you
2: did this yeah hey yeah. look i'm I'm, t- I'm turning off the record button click okay all right uh now you can tell tell me and david so all right you you, you, you stumble upon this property I guess, uh, was your intention? You say it's a vacation property. Let me clarify. Do you mean like a vacation rental? Is that the idea? Like, oh, just, a vacation no, no, just, rental?
1: A, just a vacation for like for me and my family, like family home, like a getaway. Like, cool. you, you take out from Columbus, an hour plane ride. You land three miles at the airport, three miles, you're right there into 85 degree weather nonstop. So, I'll, I'll go back into how I started. So, uh, I was looking in, you know, vacation properties and rental properties. And I kept hearing about Charleston, Charleston, Charleston. And, you know, obviously, uh, I, I don't like being on planes like that. So I was, I was checking the, you know, the time limit and everything for flights and I found I was only an hour away. Um, I had, um, my mentor once again, had people in the area that were very familiar with it. So, um, I was able to go out there, start house hunting and start searching. And, uh, we stumbled across Briar's Creek, uh, Briar, Briar's Creek uh, Golf Course, and um, the developer of the golf course was actually selling his own, you know, house. He built it and everything he was selling, and he was trying to get out of there. I think he's trying to move somewhere to certain, some part of South Carolina. And um, we showed up, and, you know, prior to that, we went to Kiowa. And, you know, if you don't, if, if you go to Kiowa with anything under 10000000 million, you're not finding anything with space. And on top of it, if you're spending that much money, to me, I want land. So that's why I ended up in Briars Creek. And uh, once I saw the seven acres and the three houses and the, and uh, I knew it was a fixer-upper, I was like, okay, I'll be able to, you know, get this for a pretty good price. The price wasn't terrible. But, uh, you know, the number one thing that I did was try to go out there, find a house, and find a contractor that I could trust. You understand what I'm saying? A contractor that knew the area. And... um that was my guy from Redwoods uh, landscaping, uh, you know, contracting, and that was Tom Grisanti. And from there, we were just able—we were trying to figure out the best way to build the best house and not lose money into it. You know, I like lavish things. I like nice things. So, you know, some of our tastes are a little up to par, but, you know, when I bought it for two I was able to put three into it, during that time, I don't know what happened to the housing market or anything. But my land, my space, everything just catapulted to the point where— by the time it was getting done, we were able to, you know, put it on the market for damn near double. You know what I'm saying? And, uh,
2: yeah. Did it sell? Uh, so
1: we just put it on the market two weeks ago. And, um, oh, okay. So we, we have somebody coming tomorrow to take a second look. So it's people all over. Uh, not to brag on it. If it doesn't sell by then, it'll be on Selling Kiowa being recorded on the 15th. Um, I'll send you guys a link over after so you can see, but it's, it's, it's a beautiful crib. And, um, you know, to go deep into it, it, I think timing and luck and not just luck, but, you know, timing and kind of when you know it's right, it's right. I didn't hesitate on this feeling because so I went out there trying to, you know, probably spend like one something or something under. I wasn't nat- naturally going out there to go in and refurbish something. But once I realized the investment in a property and I saw the opportunity, I'm like, OK, I understand what my budget was. But if I'm up here and it's an opportunity to do it, I'm going to do it right. And I think that commitment was what really, you know, it gave me, allowed me to reap, reap the fruits of this labor because I wasn't hesitant. I was like, I believe in this area. I believe in what I bought. I'm not about to do, you know, what prior homeowners did and just buy a crib and just not invest what it should. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, if this area is worth it, like they say, I'm going to set the tone or at least follow up with my next door neighbors and refurbish the house and, you know, you know, add value into the community. And I think that's one thing I committed to doing that really, you know, I guess made me look genius, which wasn't.
0: Well, I don't know if I'd say it wasn't. Like, part of the genius that expresses itself on a basketball court is when you see the right play to be made in that moment. It's very hard to translate that onto like, X's and O's. like You can't write it down on a piece of paper and say, this is how you know when you write the right. It's a feeling. You've played enough basketball. You see the opening. You know what you should do in that scenario. Investing works out the same way. Like A lot of times, I think genius is expressed through feeling. It's very difficult to describe how Eminem can write a rap that is different than someone else, or Beethoven can create a symphony that is different. When you're... when With this project, you recognize through a feeling, I need to I need to rehab it. I need to remodel it the right way. Other people don't see the angle of how important this is, but you did. Now, on the flip side, you mentioned timing and luck. You actually probably had some bad luck and some bad timing. You had some good uh, timing buying the property and the vision. But then interest rates have been skyrocketing right after you bought this thing and you put on the market as rates are going up and more expensive properties are absolutely more susceptible to uh, like... uh, uh, more. <clears throat> what's the word I'm trying to say here? The higher a price is, the more sensitive it is to the interest rate. So, like an eleven million dollar property, is much different than a four hundred thousand dollar property when rates go up. So, how have you sort of handled that? Oh, I wasn't expecting this, right? You just got a double team thrown at you. They put a full court press as soon as you caught the ball. You're gonna have to adapt in a sense. How have you handled the struggles that have come from this? Isn't the best market to be selling a luxury property? And now that I'm ready to put on the market,
1: I mean, I. Honestly, it's like what you like what you hear heard at the um you know at the conference. Sometimes, you know, when you're hitting a home run, you can't worry about the outfielders. You know what I mean? And uh one thing know what you know. Um not everybody's buying cribs, not everybody's doing this that, and the other, but I'm not pertaining to a certain type of market. You know what I mean? So uh the guys that can the people that can afford an eleven million dollar crib or afford this that, and the other. Yeah. They haven't stopped shopping. That's a great point. They haven't stopped living. They haven't stopped hopping on their jets. They haven't stopped hitting their yachts. Uh, you know what I mean? One of the conversations a do had with me was like, damn, I low key wanted deeper water. So it's like, damn, baby, you want $20 million worth of stuff. Like, you understand what I'm saying? So, like, I think the number one thing is, you know, you're a shark, you're a lion. R- Rob, you're same thing. When you swim with sharks and lions, you don't really worry about, you know, uh, You don't really worry about eating grass. You understand what I'm saying?
0: I'm so glad to hear you say that. Yeah, Because that's where I think the people listening to the podcast that are the most discouraged, they're buying the $220,000 property in the worst area where there's 100 more of them in the same space. And they're they're having a hard time making that deal work or they're having a hard time finding opportunity. You went out and you found a property that other people were not looking for you remodeled it better than the other homes around it, knowing that you, that would be a good return on your money. You did it in an asset class where quite frankly, and, and this is the point I was going to make, but you kind of made it for me. A lot of people buying $11 million properties aren't getting loans in the first place. So they right. don't care what the interest rate yeah, is. They
1: don't care. Yeah. Yeah. The ladies just like, I, I kind of wish we had more space on the first, like they're worried about that type of thing. Like, yeah, they,
0: they're going to go spend $2 million to knock walls down and add it to make it bigger. They're not, the money doesn't mean <laughs> the same thing to them that it does to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and, and 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 that's humbly speaking. So I'm not trying not, try, not no. trying to say anything from that sense, but that's literally what the mindset is smart. I,
0: that's what I'm getting at. You yeah. zig when everyone else zags, and that's yeah. why you're seeing opportunity when other people are just getting discouraged and saying our oh, real estate's not working.
1: Yeah. And Dave, what do you think, Rob you guys can <laughs> tell? I have the same mindset for everything. Like I think it's almost like was it the the battle of the Alamo? They burn the ships. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm a burn and ship type of dude. I obviously not throw all my money in it or like anything, but like I don't I'm not going into anything with fear. Do you understand what I'm saying it? I granted with my preparation and everything prior to that, but like I, I put great mojo, great belief and great energy into my team and the preparation into it that like it's like, yo, when they come see this or whatever work that I have, when they come see this, they're going to understand. Oh you know what I mean? I, I believe that the right people showing up are going to understand and they're going to want to purchase a property and love the property and see it far out amongst the times.
2: Yeah, totally. I, I don't know. I think a lot of people just aren't down with mistakes and failures. And so when that mistake happens, they get to that point. It's a lot harder for people to grasp that. it, And they're like, I don't, I'm, I'm going to be real stubborn about it. I'm, I'm not going to learn from this. For me, I'm just like, look, real estate is all a journey. Um, I, I always say we don't become real estate experts by everything going right. We become real estate experts by everything going wrong. So I don't really go into stuff with the fear of really fear either, but I'm also down for whatever happens. I'm like, I will become better, smarter, wealthier from whatever happens from whatever deal I make. Yeah. And
1: I hope, I hope I never lose. I hope we never lose that invincibility for real. You know what I mean? Cause that's a, that's a skill. That's a talent because, uh. For whatever reason, whatever God gave me, I I don't worry about the serious stuff. And then I'll I'll flip out over, you know what I mean, if somebody ate my last brownie. like You know what I mean? Like something stupid like that, you know? (laughs) Yeah,
2: well, but it it really is those little things that that's what makes us invincible. You know, genuinely. I've had so much stuff happen to me in my short-term rental journey. (laughs) uh, A couple weeks ago, someone said an intruder broke in. Cops came. There's a manhunt it turned out that they just turned on the light switch and scared themselves. Uh, a couple of weeks before that, I had four bears break into my cabin. And every time I'm talking to like, I, when the intruder situation happened with my, when my neighbors were at my house having dinner and then, you know, same, they were just like, how are you so calm? This is a big deal. And I was like, well, it's probably not really what you think. And it, all those things that blow up, are really never a big deal to me. I feel like I've got such thick skin because of all the little, you know, bruises that I've encountered along the way. And now I'm just like, yeah, literally effectively anything can happen to me and I'm going to be okay because it's, I know that there's always a solution. It just may not be convenient.
1: Yeah. And you also need that poise because you comprehend once you handle one solution, it's always going to be another problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I've been trying to just learn and how to be a solution maker and, you know, keep my poise through there. And at the end of the day with the solutions, it you know, it allows you to comprehend your stay staying focus on a bigger, bigger picture.
0: One of the ways that I've found to help overcome that fear of making a mistake, fear of losing something is I stopped looking at money the way I used to, like you've mentioned a couple of times Evan, I see money now as a store of energy. Like I, I put an eight hour work day in doing this thing. I was, I was given money. As a way of storing the energy that I put in on that workday and I can take that energy and I can convert it into real estate where it will grow stocks where it might grow. I could go spend it on Air Force ones and I've converted into shoes that like are right that don't store energy very well. Like it's I, I just sort of like I'm kind of like Neo in the Matrix where I'm seeing the code as opposed to just seeing the wall. That everybody else is looking at, and money comes and it goes. Like you're gonna make mistakes. If you, if I use the same analogy of basketball, when you're learning to play, you're gonna make turnovers. Like you're going to make mistakes. You're going to lose. You're gonna get shots blocked. I could, I, it's weird. I could tell you the stories learning to play basketball, where I first learned the painful lesson that if you're not really fast and you're dribbling the ball on the open floor, people will come up behind you and steal it. I remember just thinking, like, I think it was probably around the time I went from, like, eighth to ninth grade, like, damn, these varsity guys, like, they will jump in between and intercept the pass you through. You can't look right (laughs) at the guy you're going to throw it to. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I get a rebound and I don't hold it really hard, someone's going to smack it out of my hands. This stuff sounds silly, but it was, like, a a, um, paradigm shift at the time. Like I have to approach playing basketball differently. And then my, my, I adjusted to it. But if I wouldn't have put myself in the situation to make those mistakes, I wouldn't have gotten better at what I did. And if you try to just never by, by trying to avoid money, if you never invest it, if you never jump into a new endeavor, you just don't get better and you live in a state of fear your whole life. The thing that even though I made the turnover, I learned a skill even though I uh, threw a bad pass, I left my feet to pass, I, I missed a shot, I learned something about basketball, and that can't be taken away, right? That's how I tend to see business endeavors and entrepreneurship. If you are looking at how you become better, the turnovers don't matter. That means you can't have an ego. You can't be looking at these scenarios and saying like, well, if I fail, that means I'm a failure. You have to look at it like it's a game. If I lost the game, I got better. I'm more likely to win the next one, and I ascend into higher levels of competition with more rewards. And I, that's what I'd like to pull out of what you're describing right here is it, this humility you have is such a powerful force in your success because you're you're saying I'll burn the ships and I'll figure it out as I go, and they might they might kill my whole army, but man, I will learn a lot about warfare and I'll build a better army and come back and I'm going to win that time. Those skills never leave you. And that's the real value in what you're doing.
1: All right, absolutely. And, and I'm glad it translates. You know what I mean? And um, one thing my mentor always just told me is, like, take full advantage of the NBA. Take full advantage of basketball because it's going to teach you everything you need to know about, you know, running your own business one day. So, you know, a lot of times we correlate it sometimes. I, I, the number one thing is just coming back from what I learned on the court and learn, you know, from the people around me. And, uh, you know, you just take it step by step.
0: There's so many times where people like you that have been very successful have had a foundation in something for you that was basketball, applied it to a new endeavor, business, and your learning curve was much shorter than everybody else's. You hit that point of success quicker because you had this foundation to build on. And that's why I'm always preaching the message that quit looking at real estate as the escape from the life you don't like. You're bad with girls. You're, you you hate your job. Your boss doesn't like you. Like if you can't be good where you're at, you're probably not going to be good when you get into the new thing, right? Like instead, develop excellence in whatever job God happens to happen you in in that moment, and then apply that to the next opportunity that you get. And it's like this staircase approach, and that's what I love about what you're sharing is you didn't you didn't have an advantage over anybody listening to this or anyone else. Do it. It's not like you just had. Uh, advisors fall from the sky and angels come up to you and say, I want to help bless you, right? You had a foundation that you that was helpful to you and you just built on it. And now you're talking about how do I get bigger? I have a vision. I want to get into development. I want to have luxury condos with a 7-Eleven and a CVS at the ground floor. I want to pair stability, which is low risk, low reward, with luxury, which is high risk, high reward. And like you see these angles because of the stuff you've done before. And so that's one of my favorite parts about the story that you're sharing. Is it just, it's encouraging that whatever team you're on, whatever sport you're playing, whatever thing you're doing, give it everything you have show up and do your best every single day. And then look for the people to start passing you the ball rather than the guys that say, well, when I, when I get the ball, then I'll try. When I'm the man, then I'll get my effort.
1: No, yeah, and you're absolutely right. And 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 I'm glad we hit that point because a lot of times even with friends and I'm sure the same way people think it's some type of pill you take. You know what I mean or some type of drink you have or you go to the store and grab medication. It's like, "Nah, dog, this started 10 years ago back when you thought it was unsexy and cool." You know what I mean? Or like this Hard work or whatever you're gonna get isn't going to be cool. By the time you get your you reap your benefits, you probably don't even care about them because you're already on something else. But mm. it's, you know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? It's that's just a great a point. Tr- yeah. like you oh, literally yeah. that that's exactly thin- how it works. Yeah, you're literally that locked in and passionate about it. And then like six years down the line, you're like, "Damn, I did that six years ago. I was a real life animal." And I had, but before you know it, and luckily so, you you pick your head up, and it's a consistency of greatness or a, a certain level that you maintained. That allows you to cross over, like we all all have, in order to be successful. And um, I'm just grateful es- to be in especially that with real estate. Yes,
0: yes. Like Rob, wouldn't you agree that the best deals you've got going right now were the probably the ones you bought the longest time ago?
2: Oh, of course, yeah. We're all a genius because we bought ten years. We're, you, yeah. when you buy ten <laughs> years ago, you're a genius at any point in the in the cycle. So yeah, And yeah.
1: and, and, and everybody say,
2: like, "How'd you do that? How'd you do that?" It's like,
1: well, during this time, I I picked on weight. I picked up weight. I went and did this. Like, literally, you just invested and left. You know what I mean? It's not like you're sitting there in certain areas. Not like you're sitting there, like, working it, working it, working it. But there's certain stuff where you invest it, leave, make sure it's getting ran, and just stay and keep it set up on a certain form of consistency to be they go with the times,
0: which is so funny because everyone's looking for the opposite. They're like, "I hate my job. I want to just focus on my one property all the time." And that isn't that never works. It's like it's literally the best properties I have are the ones I forget I own. If I'm yeah. being honest, like <laughs> yeah, when I forget yeah, that absolutely. that is my property, I'm like, "Damn, look at this! It's been making all this money for all the ones that are crossing my path all the time, and the ones I didn't, I don't like." Right. And there's definitely a trend with the the more recently I bought it, the worse it performs. And that stops a lot of people because they're always what I say is they look at year one. They run an analysis that like, does it make me an 18% return right off the bat. It doesn't, bad deal. I'm moving on to the next one.
1: Yeah, you might as well go hop on Robin Hood if, if you're looking for that type of return. You know what I mean? Well,
2: yep. That that is something that like I often get people that are like, Well, yeah, of course you're doing well. You bought the property five years ago. And I'm like, Well, guess what? 10 years from now, you're going to be saying the same thing when I look smart for having <laughs> yeah, bought yeah. consistently.
1: Yeah. Long, I always tell funny. friends, like, just buy something. Like, literally, like, not buy something, but, like, eventually it's year four or five and we're still pump faking on you buying your first property. It's like, dog, this is this is pointless. We You could have had three or four by this time and we could have been having this conversation in a completely different atmosphere as opposed to my condo.
0: I'm so glad you said that. That's exactly right. I, I look at it like, okay, do I, in five years, how will this property perform? I almost don't even look at year one, right? Like I, I make sure I have enough either. money yeah. in, case it, in case it goes poorly, I can float it. But I want to know how am I going to feel in five years to 10 years? And all of a sudden, the matrix of decisions you got to make become a lot more clear. You're not that $32,000 Indiana property that you're like, oh, that's so tempting, man. Like, no, it's not. When you look at 10 years later, and it's worth 33000 And it's been <laughs> every day you've had a new issue with it. And, th- and those are usually
1: people that go and tell everybody, like, y'all own this property. I own this property. And it's like, bro, that's the worst property you could have ever chose. Yes. Like literally.
0: Yeah, it'd be like buying a bunch of terrible cars that you dump all your money into all the time, but you're bragging because you're like, oh, I got 12 cars. You're like, no, you have 12 problems. (laughs) You you don't want that, right? Yeah, no lie. That's real. That's real. (laughs) And that's why humility is so important because it's ego that leads people to say, man, at the next conference I go to, I want to say I got X amount of doors. I got X amount of units, right? Yeah.
1: And I, I'm I'm literally, bro, that's one thing. The only thing I I'm a competitor and I compete at basketball like a high level, but like um I'm good on a journey and minding my own business. You understand? Uh, I think one thing that occurs as you get older, even like doing contract negotiations, the humility in that is making sure you don't miss out on your money or your or the right deal or situation, worrying about what the person left or right has you know what i mean it's kind of like a marriage it doesn't that that relationship has nothing to do with anybody besides those two people so when it comes to my my real estate journey it's like hey if i'm gonna do this 10 unit over here i would love to come back to the next conference with 10 or 15 more units but the interest rates aren't hitting on that property the right way or i might have to wait until this sells or that sells it's like that's my situation and god willing i'm around for 100 more years to keep keep turning flips and keep making the next move my best move
2: David, I've got an analogy uh, as as we wrap up here. To uh, I, I think I think I've got. Oh, two snacks have in a your basketball. pocket have led to some. Yes, that's right. Let me mm-hmm. hear, let me I would say that this podcast interview was a slam dunk. <laughs> huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah, that wasn't even supposed to be funny. It just shocked me.
0: <laughs> that shocked me. Oh, that's so bad.
1: It's so bad that I laughed at it. It was a triple-double, I will say.
0: You also reminded me of what it was like to host a Brandon Turner who knows absolutely nothing about every sport. <laughs> like he, That's me. He, hey, that, you he know, would I, impress me with how little he knew about any sport at all. Bro,
1: that beer was impressive, though. And he's 6'6", so I'm surprised he never
2: he's played tall. any sport. But he's a surfer, though.
0: Well... He got into surfing mostly because he's terrible at sports, right? And so, like,
2: you know, one of the one of the first interviews, one of the first jobs I ever got out of college was I was a copywriter for Gatorade, so I would write all of their tweets and all of their Instagram posts and Facebook uh, posts. And then when they were interviewing me, they were like, "Yeah, so are you a sports guy?" And I was like, "Me?" Yeah. Oh, pfft. yes. Love. Love the, the all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when I got hired, they're all like, you're such a liar. Bruh. And I was like, oh, you like me, though. So it's all good.
1: Man, I feel you. But any job when he asks, why are you here? It's like, bro, I'm trying to get paid. Like, don't ask. <laughs> don't ask me that question. Like, why am I here? I can do it all, sir. Like, you know <laughs> that's right
2: and I did alright I did alright
0: I love the Gatorade marketing campaign did you have anything to do this one Rob where they would take like the black and white athlete and they would make their sweat the color of the Gatorade you guys remember that
2: yeah yeah. that, that was like that was literally like when I was born that was like okay. 1990, I was like 1990 1991 but you. I'd love to take credit for that
0: that was a cool thing they did
2: sure yeah I, I made that up that was my thing the coolest
1: Gatorade commercial was Phil Jassen discussing uh, Michael Jordan when he's talking about the flu game oh yeah mm-hmm and he was saying, like, that's the first time I ever, like, believed in Will. He was like, I never, like, that was the first time I ever seen, like, Will really be a thing.
0: You know what I mean? We were talking about that the other day. Just how, like, certain uh, scenarios or environments will bring the best out of you. Like, that's what happened. Is His environment, meaning how he felt, was so hard that he had to rely more on Will to have the, the flu game, which is, you know, NBA iconic performance. And I think... That's so important of a lesson because there's people that come from incredibly difficult environments that have a lot of pain and they waste that pain. That pain is a fuel that will propel you way past the comfortable person who grew up in Orange County and went to an Ivy League school and has nothing to drive them, right?
1: You're yeah, absolutely right. You don't know how many kids that come from my AAU program or like come from like my background or like my, like even like certain teams I played on and i am like, yo, he's as good as you. He's as good as you are and da, da, da. da. Then when it turns out he wasn't, it's like, bro, do you know like, do you, like, do you know like, like, what background or upbringing I came in? Where like, it's deeper than just like, if you put a ball through the hole, like, this is Darwinism. This is survival of the fittest. It's either we're eating today or we're not. So like, and those I'm are never people that win. Yeah, and
0: I'm never losing. Period. Point blank. That's a beautiful approach because that whether people want to admit it or not, that's the real estate environment we're in right now. There are not enough of the best homes to go around. Interest rates were kept very low for a long time, so people got into our game that never wanted it. But business people are now investing in real estate because they can get a better return here than they can in other things. The tax code benefits real estate more than other things, and so wealthy people, everyone's fighting over these things. And, and you were just over here, man, I can't find a deal. I don't understand. They don't understand. You're in like your lions, and you're all trying to find the few gazelle that are out there and that's why you got to listen to podcasts like this and approach it with everything you have i like like you're saying it's darwinism and those that understand that are the ones that win and those that think that they're sort of in like a communistic kumbaya oh no everything's gonna be fine are very frustrated that things aren't working out
1: man when get tough man like this my fault for cursing but i snap into a slim gym this is crunch time fourth quarter like I, i like these type of situations so like i'm sure you guys are the same way so it's it's uh it's a hell of a time to be in right now.
0: So on that note, I'll ask you, Evan, before we get you out of here, where do you see the future of real estate or the economy going? And what's your recommendation for the moves that people should be making in the next two years?
1: Well, hopefully the first one, I I hope the the interest rates drop sooner than later. I I for sure want that to go on. And um, I think it's going to be something in regards to kind of similar fitting the the same way of how the world is going as well i feel like everything is kind of a borderline of like improv mixed in with casual so i think we're going to see a lot of more developments more properties and more uh innovative uses in the real estate market that is going to be cool i mean similar to you know the the hotel the 20 unit hotel you bought in uh new york and how you're changing that type of uh real estate market i can't really put a thumb on it but i i think anything goes right now in in regards to uh the real estate market what you create and and what comes about and um i'm looking forward to that
0: beautiful so look for creative ways rather than just trying to push the same square peg through the round hole that isn't working
1: yeah because you got to break it down like we had this argument earlier like I mean, I guess we're turning to the cooler, older, unhip guys, you know what I mean? Or the weird, older, unhip guys, and that's still pretty cool. So imagine what we're going to create, you know what I mean? It's not going to be the same, like, st- stick up your butt, like, suit and tie, like, weird type of stuff. I think it's going to be some cool, hip, creative stuff where, you know, hopefully it turns into... uh one big game of sims you know what i
0: mean (laughs) well if that if that art in your background is any indication you will be one of the the forefront leaders in that movement so thanks for spending your time with us and your thoughts evan i appreciate it they're both very valuable
1: i appreciate you guys for real thank you again
0: uh if people want to find out more about you where can they go
1: uh if you want to find out more about myself please uh tune in to a point for podcast everywhere where you listen to podcasts it's actually amazing it really is. And then uh, you check me out on uh, Instagram. My name is uh, Evan Turner, E-V-A-N-T-U-R-N-E-R. And then also on Twitter, the TheKidET, T-H-E-K-I-D-E-T. Show some love, holler at me, give me some advice, keep it classy.
0: Rob, how about you? Where can people find out more about you?
2: Um, you can find me uh, on, well, okay, well, first of all, look, you could I, I typically I would say you can go find me on YouTube at Rob built and you can go follow me on Instagram at Rob built. Of course I could say that, but what I'm going to say instead of following me over at Rob built is to go over the Apple iTunes review center, the, the podcast app, leave us a five-star review. If you like hearing these conversations, these real world conversations of how to get started in real estate, please go drop us a five-star review. It means the world to us. And it lets you know that it lets us know that you're listening
0: and it helps us improve how we do the show. What about you, David? Well, now I'm really want to know where I could find you. And you've kind of left me with an itch. I need scratch. So (laughs) after I do that, after I do that, is there a preferred way of following you? Where's your best content?
2: Oh yeah, you can find me over uh, on YouTube at uh, Nothing But Net. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Rob... <laughs> I'm like what? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> like, it. like, it's uh, my sports channel actually. <laughs> um, you can find me at. <laughs> at why Rob not? Grant's why website. not? Right? Nothing but net. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I forgot I was that like...
0: was a phrase people used to say. Man, we we were really corny in the '80s. That is such a nothing. <laughs> yeah, that was a thing that was said. Swish. So, yeah, swish. NBN, baby. Every one of Rob's basketball references comes straight out of NBA Jam. He's the guy that's like, boom, shakalaka every time. Boom downtown. Makes a- <laughs> he's the on. Face. Fire. The face. <laughs> I told you, man. I'm an '80s baby. Hey, what did we used to say when you blocked a shot, you got packed. Remember that? You got packed. I haven't heard that one in a very long time. No, the the best thing
1: I think that still hangs on that hasn't been corny is, uh, and one of the best basketball commercials was a Sprite Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant commercial, but. Anytime you miss the dunk, the label was like, damn, you just got sprayed it. Like, you know what I mean? I thought that.
0: That was good. I used to love the uh, Sprite commercial with the three actors pretending to be hard basketball players, but they were like thespians.
1: Wait, no, I got I to gotta look that up. I got to ask this. Excuse stuff. me, excuse me. What's my motivation?
0: That guy? Oh, I got to check that. Out. Oh, that's a really funny one, Rob. Uh, we talk about it all the time because he's always asking for his motivation. He is a thespian pretending to be a podcast host.
2: I did let her in theater. So oh, did you? That's how, that's how cool I am. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, what role broke your heart that you decided to leave? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, you know i was it's like, it's, and you're a good man charlie brown <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's
0: funny. all right evan thanks a lot man Perfect. it's been great having you uh i don't know if we have plans for your podcast but i'd be happy to do it i think it'd be a lot of fun
1: no i'd be lit we would love to have you guys on um thank you for the hospitality this is lit what you guys are doing is unbelievable um i'm grateful for what you guys do week in and week out and uh once again thank you for uh, being so open when i showed up to the conference and um everything you guys are awesome guys i I really appreciate you thank you
0: thank you evan uh you can find me on social media at david green 24 and i just tagged evan so if you're seeing this go make sure you follow his account and uh get some good content i'm gonna repost too
1: i hate when people don't
0: all
2: right hold on Uh, let's do this on air i'm gonna get a photo of us ready that's the first right there that's the first interrupting a podcast for a selfie yeah That's, that's how that's good it's how that's,
0: narcissistic we become.
1: That's uh that's how uh, progressive this day and age is. The work
0: the work field is. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Evan. We're gonna get you out of here. This All right, is love. David Green for Same. Rob Slim Jims in his shirt pocket, Abba Solo. Signing out.
2: So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the small multifamily bootcamp.
0: See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment
2: in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose.
0: Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.